Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take just a few moments to kind of set some foundational uh, truths and I'm going to preach my heart out and I'm going to do the best that I can within a few minutes. And, and then I'm going to be sharing with you some of the practical things that I believe God wants to do in our lives collectively this next year and for years to come. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16, and uh, we'll read from verse 13 through 19. Again, shout out to all of our online family watching. Pastor Lamia, you are amazing. And uh, hosting today from Ireland, we've got Jamie. Jamie, we can't m- wait to meet you in person at some point. Amen. And, uh, but we have amazing hosts and prayer teams that, that help us online. Our dream team is both in person and online. So we appreciate all of our team. We love you guys. If you're preaching or if you're watching on the screen today, let me know by throwing some emojis on the screen so I can shout you out as well. Matthew chapter 16, it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, so who do people say that I am? What's the word on the streets? What are people tweeting out there about me? They replied, some say that you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? That's a huge question right there. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, But by my Father in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. What was he saying? His confession of faith, his declaration of who Jesus is, that exercise of faith. Jesus says upon that declaration, not Peter physically, but his declaration of faith, upon that declaration, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, which means hell, the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, we could stay here for a minute and preach a series on just these few verses right here. Because this speaks of the authority that Jesus has given the church to come against evil and spiritual entities and opposition. God has actually given you the authority to come against these things. So you don't have to run from opposition. You can actually charge opposition. Come on, somebody. But I want to focus on five brief words. This is going to be rapid-fire preaching. Are you ready? Five brief words. I've just been chewing on this and just mulling on this for a little while. Five words. When Jesus says, I will build my church, what did he mean with that? Now, when I study Scripture, when I'm kind of dissecting verses, sometimes I'll be reading through maybe chapters in the Bible that I've read many times before or portions of Scripture that I've read and highlighted and underlined and circled. But sometimes I'll go through an exercise where I just kind of slow down a little bit and I look at the words that are kind of jumping out at me and then I emphasize each word either through prayer or through thought, meaning like this. When Jesus says, I will build my church, what's he talking about? He says, I, I'm invested. I'm not going to outsource this project. I am personally committed to see the success of this endeavor. I will build my church. I'm all in. I'm not going to delegate it to others. I'm going to be personally invested. He says, I will build my church. Meaning, it's not, well, I could, well, I I should. Perhaps it's a great idea. He says, no, I will. In other words, he's saying, it's going to happen. I will build my church. And then it says, I will build my church. Emphasis on build. What does build mean? Well, building is work and it's progressive and it's got to be intentional. You can't put the walls up until the foundations have been established. But Jesus says, I will build, meaning that there's intentionality, there's a deliberate focus, there's order, and there's work. I will build my church. The emphasis on my, not somebody else's church. He's not building it for somebody else. He's building it for himself, which means it reflects him something that he loves, something that he cares about. So he's saying, I will build my church. And then finally, I will build my what? My church. Emphasis on church now. What is church? The family of God, the ecclesia, the gathering of God's people, people who have, re- have been redeemed by Jesus. The people who have surrendered their lives to him. Church is not an event. Church is not a service. Most definitely, church is not a building. Church is not just an experience. It's a spiritual connection. And Jesus says, 
I will build my church. And this church is it's ever growing, ever expanding. It's inclusive. There's room for others in this thing called church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against her. Let me talk to you briefly about the church because the church is, well, in our culture, what they would call a postmodern culture where people say, well, truth is relevant. Your truth might be different than my truth. Can, can I just help somebody out today? There is no such thing as your truth or my truth. There's only the truth. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's not many different truths. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And speaking of the church, many have been trying to deconstruct Christianity, change what the meaning of church is. And even Pastor Keys and I were talking about this yesterday. What if the church did this? And what if the church did that? I said, listen, the church should be involved in community. But more than that, we are a spiritual family. It's spirit birth. It's spirit maintained. It's spirit. It grows spiritually. We then see the manifestation of it in a physical dimension. But if we weren't a spiritual community, then you could just join, I don't know, the Elks Lodge and all these other great clubs out there or whatever. But what sets us apart? We are spiritual people connected in the family of God. You with me? So the church. The church was in the heart of God way before the worlds were spoken into existence. The church has, ne has never been plan B. Like, oh, dang, the Israelites screwed up in the Old Testament. Jesus had to press the reset button, intervene. Okay, let's come up with plan B. No, the church was always plan A from the foundations of the earth. God had always had a desire to bring all of his children from every nationality, from every tribe, from every time. He wanted everybody to be a part of his family. It's called the church. The church didn't replace Israel. Come on, somebody. It includes Israel. If anyone, anyone calls upon the name of Jesus, Jew or Gentile, they shall be saved. They're part of the church. The church is the body and the bride of Christ. It's the family and the army of God. There's different metaphors to describe church. The church is not limited in size or time or space. That's why we can be connected in person and people can be watching online from around the world. Shout out to the Philippines tuning in. Shout out to Brazil. Boa tarde. Deus abençoe vocês. Shout out to everybody that's connecting. The church is united Using technology, we are connected. We are the body of Christ. There is no limitation. The church has been going on for almost 2,000 years. We are part of the glorious church of Jesus, the one that he promised that he would come back to. The church is loved by him. That's why the Bible says that he laid his life down for her. The church was, has been resisted and persecuted for almost 2,000 years. From the moment the church was birthed, it began to grow. All of a sudden, people were like, oh, my gosh, these people are rebels. They're revolutionaries. we got to put a stop to this. The church has been resisted, but the more the church is resisted, the more the church grows. Come on, somebody. That's why the largest church in the world right now, do you all know where it is? In communist China. Come on, somebody. Let's go, Kathy. We've known people who've died because of the, the, the cross. They've died because they were preaching Jesus. But now there are more people saved in China than any other country around the world. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Millions. There are more people getting saved in China every day than anywhere else in the world. Amazing. The church is victorious, and it will continue to grow. It will continue to win. It's unstoppable. It's unshakable. The church of God, you can't put a limit. You can't, you can't put a limitation, a boundary, or border. The church advances. It's victorious. And I can talk about the end times. Some of you are asking me, like, man, are we coming to the end of times? Listen, the church doesn't retreat. The church advances. The church continues to take ground. We continue to influence. There's only one thing that Jesus said that he would build. There's only one. Not a program. Not, nothing else. The only thing that Jesus promised he would build is the church. He says, I will build my church. I don't care what kind of circumstances come my way and what kind of opposition comes. I will continue to build my church. And whether hell likes it or not, I'm going to advance this thing. So he's building one thing. The church is Jesus' master plan. And you and I have a part or a role to play in it. It's his master plan. It's the main entree. It's not an accessory. It's not just a secondary thought. It's the main thing that he looks at. Jesus loves his church. Now, we, we live in this unique season where, and I can understand why people would do this, and they would throw all kinds of shade towards church. Why? Because in church, there are flawed people. In church, there are flawed pastors and leaders. Come on, somebody. I'm one of them. In church, people make mistakes. People that are not in church, they see our hypocrisy sometimes. They see how pastors or leaders say certain things and do certain things, and they go, I wouldn't want to be a part of that. 
and they've been hurt by church. Maybe you grew up and you, your mom or your dad took you to church and you were hurt by leaders at church. Churches make mistakes because people are flawed. So what happens is there's a lot of people that love Jesus, but they dislike church. They love Jesus, but like, man, church hurts people. I don't know that I'm willing to take the risk to go back into that place to become vulnerable, transparent, and be let down again or be judged. Come on, somebody. Like, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to. So people love God, and then oftentimes they, 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 they pull back and they pull away. They still love God, but they're, like, not willing to, like, take that risk of being vulnerable with someone else. And they love the head, but they hate the, hate the body. But if Jesus is the head of the body, you can't have a relationship with the head without the body. For that matter, you can't have just a connection with church and not Jesus. Amen. It's a package deal. The thing that he loves the most. That's why it says he laid his life down for the church. Yeah. He loves church. So when people talk smack about the church, you're talking about the thing that he's very defensive of. I could tell you stories of when I was first married and some dude came and my, my wife was at the time the, the administrator at our church. And we had just been married for just a few weeks. She's like sitting up front, the receptionist, and this guy has an appointment with the pastor and he comes in and... And I'm the youth pastor. I got my little business card, youth pastor. <laughs> and my office was like literally right next to, her, to the front reception area. And this dude comes and he just kind of, he's entitled. He feels like he just like, he's like a general in the kingdom. And he starts talking smack. And then, you know, the, the pastor, his appointment is running late. Because when the anointing kicks in, the services go long. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and me, <laughs> dropping little crumbs, prepping you. The dude starts getting an attitude, so he says, I'm going to go get, get some fresh air and walk out there. And, and she says, I'll come and get you. So when she goes out, she calls him. His name was so-and-so. She calls him by his name. She didn't call him Mr. or Your Highness or anything. She just called him, hey. And when he came back, he started confronting my wife. Who do you think you are to call me? As a young, as a young uh, husband now, newlywed for a few weeks, Something from the flesh began to just blah, 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 bubble up. <laughs> it used to be when I lived at my mom and dad's, I was like, don't you talk about my mama like that. But now it's not my mama, now it's my wife. And I remember, I'm like, I had to repent. I thought I was going to get fired. I've been on the job for weeks, and I'm going to get fired. Because I walked out, this skinny little redhead dude walks out, grabs this dude, literally grabbed him by the collar. My wife was so proud. She's like, get him, baby, get him. <laughs> Grab this dude, pin him up against the wall. Pastor Geese, you'd be proud of me, bruh. I went all thug on the dude. Don't you ever talk to my wife like that again. And then right after that, uh, the pastor comes out and says, and if he doesn't lay one on you, I will. Oh, Reinforcements. Remember that, babe? Woo! That's how Jesus thinks of his church. When the world talk about his bride, when people talk about his church, yeah, we got flaws. We got issues. We do. But he loves us. He loves his house. He loves his people. So we can be full of criticism and judgment, but just remember, he's in love with his church. The church is important to Jesus. The church is his master plan. It's through the church that all of humanity is reconciled back to God. So let's talk about then individual callings because... This idea of Jesus building his church, it includes all of us collectively, but then individually. He's the one that comes after us. He chooses us. He pursues us, and he invites us into this thing called the church. And it's an honor. It's an invitation. Church is an invitation. But let me kind of give you some clues, and I'm going to highlight four words. When speaking of our connection to Jesus, there are four important words. When you're part of church, four significant and critical words that I think we should all know and remember it comes from John chapter 15. Three of the words come from this passage right here. John 15, verse 16, it says, you didn't choose me. You didn't just yelp me and find me and like Google me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So you didn't choose me. I chose you. Hey, hey, I love you. I know you got some issues, Pastor Isaac, but I love you. And he pursues us, and he invites us. You didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you that you would produce great fruit. Not short-term fruit, but fruit that would remain, fruit that would last, that you would make a difference. 
in other people's lives. And then look at what this verse says in Acts 1, uh, verses 4, and then I'll skip to verse 8. Jesus had been talking to his disciples and those that were following him. It says, listen, listen, you're going to go. You're going to make disciples of all nations. But before you go, hold up and wait. Come to, come to pursue prayer on Wednesday nights. Pray. Pray. And wait for the helper that I'm going to send you. The Father has a helper. He's a gift. You can't do it without him. But he's going to send the helper. He's going to send the one that's going to give you the ability to accomplish the mission that I have for you. So it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. And then verse 8, But you will receive power when who? The Holy Spirit comes upon you. Say upon. Upon, upon you. That word upon has to do with the word anointing. Because in 1 John, it talks about the anointing of God that abides inside of us. There's an anointing for the inside of you for your benefit. But then there is an anointing that rests upon you for the benefit of those that God's called you to reach. Think about it like this. When Jesus, in Matthew chapter 3, when he went to be water baptized, when he came out of the water, the voice of the Father said, This is my boy right here. Listen up, y'all. This is my son that I love, and in him I'm well pleased. And then it says that the Holy Spirit came and rested upon him. Like a dove, he came and rested upon Jesus. Jesus had been appointed by the Father and now anointed by the Father for the work. And then he began his ministry. He didn't start his ministry, and after he served God faithfully, the Father then God said, man, well done. Here's some anointing. No, he anointed him first. So you don't have to be a theologian, an expert of the Bible to be anointed. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. You don't have to be somebody who's been walking with Jesus for 10 years before, whoo, I finally earned my stripes. Now I'll get some anointed. No, anointing starts from the moment you said yes. From the point that you surrendered, you are marked and branded by God. Are you with me so far? I'm just giving you some foundational theology here to help build, build where we're going with this today. If you're part of Jesus' church, these are four words, four declarations, four promises for you. Number one, if you're part of his church, you are chosen. You need to hear this in your heart. Because some of us, we think, man, because of my unworthiness, because of my mistakes, because of my past, maybe, maybe I can contribute and do some nice things to pay it forward to others. But me, myself, I'm, just, I'm not worthy of God's forgiveness. I've screwed up too much. Listen, you are chosen. With your scars, with your bruises, he loves you that much. He's crazy about you. Whether your marriage is successful or whether it was a disaster, he loves you. He cares about you. You are chosen. That's important to, to understand, right? Christianity is all about a response to an invitation. Jesus continues to invite those who are distant from the Father. He continues to pursue us. Number two, you are appointed then. Appointed. What does appointment mean? Well, the definition would be this, to be propped up for display. Um, to be assigned for a specific task, a function, a mission. To be appointed, it would be the idea of like the president of the United States saying, I'm, I'm appointing the next justice to the Supreme Court. And then in our case, it has to be confirmed. It's complicated. But he appoints ambassadors, and judges, different, different levels of people in authority. An ambassador of the United States, let's say in Colombia, that person, man or woman, that person as an ambassador represents our president in our nation. And that person was appointed. So when Jesus says, I've appointed you, means I've endorsed you. Even with your flaws, even with your issues. I've chosen you and I've endorsed you. I've appointed you to a mission for a specific purpose. All of us have a part to play. Are you with me so far? So and then the, the next one here, number three, would be you are then anointed. So you're chosen, appointed, and anointed. In both the Old and the New Testament, people were objects. They were anointed for a specific purpose. That's the word consecration. If you study the Old Testament, right now those of us doing the, the Bible reading plan, maybe some of you are going through Leviticus right now. Woo! There's more ahead. Hang in there. But describing the, the different pieces of furniture within the tabernacle, each part was actually anointed for a purpose. It was consecrated, set apart, for a specific reason. Now then you would think of like kings. Prophets would come and they would anoint them. I think of, of David, young boy David, where the prophet of the Lord came to the house of Jesse and they went through the lineup, all seven boys. Like, nah, there's got to be another one. And then finally they bring the little shepherd kid out and all of a sudden, like God says, he's the one that I've chosen. And he was appointed to be the next king. 
So therefore, the prophet anointed him with oil. Oil signifies and represents Holy Spirit. You've been set apart for God. And the Holy Spirit, when he marks you, it's for the purpose and the mission that God's called you to live and to fulfill. You with me so far? Again, it gets gooder from here, all right? We're building this thing a little bit. So you were appointed and then you were anointed. The anointing, it gives the individual authority. If God, if God has anointed you, all of a sudden you have an authority in that lane that he's called you to operate in. You've got authority. And with authority, then he also gives you the power to fulfill, the ability to fulfill the mission that he's called you to, to, to walk in. So for instance, Johnny Maria, they are our marketplace directors, our ministry directors here. There is an anointing upon the two of them. Not only are they both brilliant, and if you watch Maria's TikTok, she's like, dang girl, she can outpreach all of us. She's amazing. There is an anointing and a special grace upon the two of them. In that particular lane, they thrive. Why? Because they've got authority and power in that lane. Therefore, to see the kingdom expand and to see businesses and businessmen and women advance in their careers, they want, there's a grace on their lives for that. Now, Johnny may, may not have the grace necessarily to go to India to preach from a platform to 10,000 people. Come on, somebody. But through the gift of faith and generosity in his life, he can help us build 3,000 churches there. Come on, somebody. That's a story, by the way. I took him there years ago. I go, bro, do you want to come back? He's like, no. <laughs> but I'll help fund a bunch of churches there. I'm like, let's do it then. I'll preach and you keep giving. There's an anointing within that lane, that assignment. Whatever, <laughs> TikTok, she understood her assignment. Within your assignment, there is a grace so that you can fulfill what God has positioned you to do. It would be unfair of God to call you to do something and then not enable you to do that, right? The anointing. It gives people the authority and the power to, to, to fulfill the things of God. So, for instance, when I walk into a setting, when I walk into a room, there is an anointing upon my life for the prophetic. So when I travel, and I don't know if you've noticed, but about every month, I'm, I'm gone one week in a month ministering at other churches. And usually what that would include, I'm not the greatest preacher. But I have a grace and an anointing to prophesy. My wife and I flow well together. God will begin to give me insight and revelation like, I don't know these people. I've never met them before. And then all of a sudden he begins to whisper information about them. And like, it rocks them. And then God begins to say, and then this is where I'm leading you. There is an anointing upon my life. And when I walk into a room, I sense the authority of God to flow in that. And then the power of God to continue to move in that. It's the anointing on my life. And then I got people who have an anointing for, let's say, healing. Man, they, they pray for everybody and everybody gets healed. Sometimes I pray for people and sometimes they get healed. And sometimes I pray for people and they don't get healed. But I can prophesy. We all have unique anointings. Anointing means empowerment. You've been marked, set apart, consecrated, and empowered to fulfill the role that God's called you to fulfill. So Paul says, don't compare yourself amongst yourselves. We shouldn't compare the calling of God individually that we would have or the anointing individually upon our unique lives because each call is unique. But we stay in the lane that God's called us to, to stay in. And that's a whole other conversation, how to grow and how to see that developed in our lives. But the anointing is empowerment. You with me so far? So when young Justice, pretty soon he's going to get his license. And, and he's just crushing it right now, part of our worship team and learning his guitar. Brilliant dude, brilliant kid, great with sports. As a leader that God's called him to be, as he continues to grow and develop, the anointing of God will rest upon him. It already does rest upon him. But he's going to continue. He's going to outperform his dad. Come on, somebody. He's going to outshine Pops. Why? Because he's been branded by God. He's been marked by God. There's a, a special anointing upon his life. Same with Selah. A special anointing on her life. Beautiful like her mama. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't take after dad that way. But there's an anointing. It's unique. It's unique for each individual. You with me so far? And then finally, and I think of this. Um, when it comes to the anointing, Jesus, the promised one of the Father. What's his last name again? Jesus Christ. Christians, by the way, the term Christians, it means many Christs. Many Christs. Jesus Christ. Do you know what Christ means? The anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one, meaning the authority, the power, the one who carries all authority, all power. Jesus Christ and us who are many Christ are many anointed ones. Amen. 
the anointing is for all of us. You were empowered to fulfill the mission that God has called you to fulfill. There is a personal mission and then there is a collective mission that God has for all of us. Finally, the last thought would be this. You are sent. So you were chosen, you were appointed, you were anointed, and then you are sent. Johnny says, I don't want to go back to India. The sending for us basically has to do with how you live. The spheres of influence that God has given you. So if you work at Dropbox, come on somebody, Scott. If you work at Dropbox, the people that you manage and lead, that's your sending. If you work at Google, come on somebody, that's your, that's your sending. As you travel and you do presentations from place to place, that is the sphere that God has granted you. That's the pulpit that he's given you. As you go and as you're sent, you shine the light of God. The anointing is upon your life to influence them everywhere you go. It's not just a missions trip. Once a year for two weeks, we're going to go somewhere, and then all of a sudden, okay, I'm back, and I'm being trained some more. No, it's ongoing. You were sent 24-7. Your, your assignment, it includes, within, it, it includes the people within your spheres of influence. And I, I think of uh, Pastor Elaine I shared a few years ago, a while back, a tree. I shared, I shared pictures of people within City Life Church that because of her kindness and her friendship and her ability and willingness to just meet people and invite them into her life, because of her open heart, they began to trust her. She began to pray for them. Eventually, not first time, but eventually they would come to a small group and eventually they would come to church. And then we began to see like this trail of people. Today we got Hank, for instance, who's in the building. Hank is offspring, so to speak, of Elena's willingness to talk to people. Why? Because Vinny had a friend who led him to the Lord, and it was Vinny's mom, or excuse me, that friend's mom, who Elena had befriended and, and led to Jesus. And you see, like 30 different people that God connected to our house. Why? Because she had the, the time, the willingness to say, let's grab coffee together. Girl talk. And then all of a sudden, they're hanging out either at Starbucks or at our house, and, and she wasn't going all churchy on them. Come on, Angie, you with me right here? And those of you watching online, Connie and Bonnie, Melissa, different ones. It's like, man, because of her open heart and her willingness to just kind of just be available, of a sudden in her spheres of influence people began to receive the love of God and in time one by one they started connecting yeah. and now we got a couple dozen people that are uh, you know saved planted in the house of the Lord some have moved to different places but wow that's fruit yeah. that's fruit that remains she was sent she continues to be sent all of us are sent you with me let's talk real briefly then about what about then our collective call so God has a unique plan for us individually in unique seasons of life, there are certain assignments that he has for us for a season of life. RJ now is with us in, in San Francisco. RJ, Ohio State, represent. Come on, RJ. Huh. Uh, he is here. God has brought him on assignment here. Go Warriors. He works for the Warriors. It's like his assignment is to be a light in that community. He's part of this house right here. Don't know if he's going to be here for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, but we'll take nothing less than 10. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> We all have unique assignments, but then the collective. What about the, the calling upon a house? Churches have unique callings. They have unique flavors. They have unique styles. They have unique cultures. In San Francisco, we have wonderful churches. Um, I, I've been interacting with different pastors. This Tuesday, I'll be going to a prayer meeting with a handful of pastors. Their style of worship is different than ours. Some of these pastors that I'll be interacting with, their churches are wonderful. And in worship, you won't see lights. You probably won't see a bunch of hands going up. You won't see a cool dude like Ben just rocking it like, man. <laughs> but they love God with all their hearts. They love the Bible. They are a gift to our city. Yeah. Right. They care deeply about yeah. God. They care deeply about the people of God, right. the community. Yep. Their style is different, but we're still part of one family. Yeah. Right? So each church has a unique flavor. City life has a unique flavor, a unique, a unique calling upon us. There's the one global church with the capital C, but then there are many local expressions. Each local church has a unique expression, and it's beautiful that way. Why? Because God is a multifaceted kind of God. He's not a cookie-cutter kind of a God. He's, he's complex. The church is a reflection of him, right? So we see these different expressions and styles. When we think of, of churches in the Bible, for instance, I think of the church in Antioch, not the one there by Pittsburgh or, or Discovery Bay in the East Bay. <laughs> But the church of Antioch, it's like, man, where was Antioch? Well, there's a couple Antiochs, but this one church in Antioch in the, in the New Testament, that's where Barnabas and Paul were trained. There were prophets there. There were elders. There were apostles there. They were trained, and then they were sent out to go plant churches. And because of that willingness to invest into them, to resource them, to fund them, to give them finances, to lay hands upon them, to pray for them, to intercede from them, a small church, scholars would, would 
tell us different things. Antioch, as far as the size of the church, wasn't that large. But there was largeness in vision. There was largeness in calling. Come on, somebody. And because of their willingness to sow, all of a sudden, the greatest apostle of the New Testament, Paul, would go in and plant many churches, including Ephesus, which scholars would say was anywhere between 60 to 200,000 people. That's, that, that, that's a good church. That's a good-sized church. From a church that had the courage to send them out, they had what? An apostolic anointing collectively over them. You with me so far? Churches, they have unique graces or these anointings, unique flavors. Whenever I go to uh, the Father's house where my pastor is the lead pastor up in Vacaville, whenever I go to their, their church services, prayer meetings, or events, there is an anointing upon that house for worship. You walk in, it's like, oh, I feel the presence of God. I'm not like Pastor Keys where I get, you know, teary-eyed very often. <laughs> <laughs> But when I do, I've been in moments where I've been in the presence of God, particularly there here as well, um, where I've been in the presence of God. It's like, man, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by the presence of God. There's such an anointing in worship to just experience the, 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 the presence of God. And that's an, an anointing upon their house. I think of Manor House Church in Portland. Some of you have been there before. Manor House Church. They have a deep, deep equipping and an apostolic call for teaching and instruction and theology and doctrine. It's like you go there and they have these world-class professors who teach, but then there is an anointing to bring revelation from the, the taught word of God. That's an anointing upon that house. You go to different places and, and each house has a unique flavor. Our church has a very unique flavor. There's graces, and I'll be talking about that in a few seconds here. There are many, many different wonderful life-giving churches here in San Francisco. Many, so this is not about competition. It's not about trying to say, hey, we're better than that church because we can do this or we do that. Not at all. We're part of one church, capital C Church. But within this church, there are different expressions of that. And I, I kind of like our flavor. Some people get on me because the way I dress is just a bit too casual. I'm sorry, but I want to be comfortable in church. If you want to wear your suit tight, rock it. Do, do what you got to do. Now, if all of a sudden Pastor David comes in his flip-flops and tank tops, I'm like, ah, that might be a little too casual. But... <laughs> Come as you are, though, right? Someone asked me a while ago, like, what's the dress code at City Life? Be dressed. <laughs> so our church, we might, we might be similar to other churches as far as style, worship, some of the songs that we sing. Someone a while ago said, man, we need some more gospel music in our church. I go, bro, help me out then, man. Get up on that stage and help us. Right? Right, Chelsea? You're like, I'm down. There are different churches, different expressions. We don't compete with one another, but um, each church has a unique flavor. I think of Pastor Terry at Cornerstone. Terry and Cheryl have been here for generations. Wonderful pastor. I'm actually preaching at Cornerstone here in a few, few months. Wonderful man of God. He's preached here before. What an what a awesome spirit he has. And his church is vibrant. They've been faithful here for generations. What, what a contribution they bring to our mix. But each church has a unique flavor, a unique expression. Um, there are others that would be similar to us in theology and style. But we are unique, though. We are unique. There's, there's, there's no other church quite like City Life. We, we might be a little dysfunctional in some ways, but, hey, we're having fun while we do it, right? Um, we are a multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-racial church. This church is not just for me and Elena, it's for my kids, and it's for my grandkids. Come on, somebody. It's a church that is not here just for a little sprint race where we showed up and did our thing for a few years. It goes into the generations. God planted this here. It wasn't John, John. It wasn't Keys, Elena. God planted this house. It reflects his heart, and it should reflect our communities that we live in and that we serve in. We are multi-everything here. We are a multi-brand church. I said that we're like a Costco church. Hopefully you come. When you go to Costco, you leave with big portions. And you go to Costco and you hear all kinds of different languages. Come on, somebody. Every aisle you hear different languages. And I'm always intrigued by that because I'm a missionary kid. So I'm always listening to other languages and cultures. That's our church. Look around. Many different expressions and colors and styles. And hopefully you're leaving with big, large portions as well. Come on. <laughs> right? And you all are kind of quiet today, though. <laughs> So city life, we have a unique, a unique flow, a unique flavor. That's what makes us a gift to this city. I praise God for that. What are we passionate about here at our church? Some of the things that kind of define us, these are things that are very important to us. We're very passionate. We're passionate about the presence of God. 
That's why in worship today, we could have, like, I actually thought for a minute, man, dude, I'm, I need to preach Vision Sunday sermon. And the songs are going long. But God, we love your presence so much. Lord, if you want me to just not preach, I'll, I'll do it. He says, no, just preach shorter. <laughs> so rather than interrupting the presence of God and prayer and all that, no, we value the presence of God. It's in the presence of God that lives are transformed. It's in the presence of God that all of a sudden hopelessness leaves and God fills hearts with hope. It's in the presence of God that you begin to hear the whispers of God because we got all kinds of noise barking at us all the time. We need the presence of God. We need a prophetic atmosphere. We need a place where, where God can speak to us and challenge us and convict us and, and encourage us. So we love the presence of God. We're passionate. We will never shortchange that. We will never cut corners here. We love the presence of God. We, we, we're passionate about being a church inside the walls but also outside the walls. That's why you hear Pastor Keith saying, be about it then. Be about it. We don't talk a big game. We actually, we actually live it out. We walk it. Boots on the ground. So we meet as the ecclesia here on Sundays to celebrate and online, but all throughout the week we're being an influence everywhere we go. We're passionate in and outside of church, right? Come on, somebody. Reaching people and leading people to become fully alive in Jesus. That's our model. That's what we live for. We are here to reach more people and help people grow more. There's always more room at the table for us. We're growing people and developing strong leaders. There's a call upon this house to develop leaders. Pastors are being raised, entrepreneurs, successful businessmen and women. Whatever the career choice would be, we're called to raise leaders within the house. That's our mandate. We're passionate about it. Serving, serving the house of the Lord and serving our community. You can join Dream Team here, and it's not about just serving on a Sunday for a service. We serve all throughout the week in many different places. We're called to serve. We love serving. We love rolling up our sleeves, and we don't need to take ourselves like, hey, look at how spiritual we are. No, we just love serving. We want to make an impact in other people's lives. I met a gentleman earlier today, and he's like, yeah, I've seen you work in the streets. I'm like, what do you mean, like, work in the streets? <laughs> like, no, you guys, you guys serve, because we do. We serve our communities, and you don't have to see us posting anything. We just, we love people. We care for people, and that's, that's our passion. We're passionate about that. Helping people and ministries fulfill their prophetic destinies, that's our drive. Amen. I, our heart, all along, if you've gotten to know us a little bit, it's not like, hey, can you help me fulfill my dreams? No, if God's connected you here, our passion is to see God fulfill his dreams through you. What is it that he's placed in your life? How can we be, get behind you and cheer you on that you might fulfill the assignment that God has for you? You've been appointed and anointed, and he brought you here for a reason. How can we collectively see the purposes of God fulfilled in your life? And then there's a special grace or a special anointing upon this house. These are a couple of thoughts. The felt presence of God. People come, like pursue prayers. It's been, it's been rocking. If you haven't come out on a Wednesday night, I'm telling you, you're missing out. You want that fresh anointing released upon your life? This ain't no guilt trip. You don't have to come, but people are tuning in online. I encourage you, come. Come and pray with us. We won't put you on blast. We won't give you a microphone and say, hey, would you lead out? But pray collectively with us. For one hour, we worship and we pray. And something is happening. The atmosphere is changing in people's personal lives, their family. You need to come to prayer. Highly recommend it. We love the presence of God. There's a special grace on our house, again, for the prophetic, for deliverance. See, people don't understand, like, there is a dark kingdom around us as well. The kingdom of God is here, but there are demonic spirits all around us. Hopefully not a whole lot of them in the room right now. But some people, they carry it. You know, some people, leave, they lead their own small group. That means they have a bunch of demons inside of them. They need, they need to be delivered. They're already a leader. But they need to be delivered. We believe in deliverance, not in a, in a goofy way where we're grabbing snakes and spinning them around, but no, we command evil spirits to go. When you're battling anxiety, when you're battling depression, when you're battling discouragement, and it happens to all of us, including pastors, you need people who know how to pray. You need to be a part of a family who knows how, how to go after it. Maybe you've got family members and you're tired of praying for them, but it's like, man... I'm a part of something bigger than just me. We know how to pursue the things of God and speak God's will into existence. You don't have to coexist with dysfunction. Someone was thinking, he's talking about my spouse. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about demonic spirits. 
There's, there is a grace on our house for deliverance. That's why we have our freedom retreats, to help people get set free. Come on, somebody. The prophetic, healing. People get healed. There is faith in the house. We believe in healing. Healing was not something that ended when, when the New Testament ended. God continues to heal people. That's why we, we create an atmosphere where people can come and receive prayer. Online, we have a whole team that prays. We pray fervently. We pray diligently. Why? Because the Bible says the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous, they avail much. It means that it works. So we have a unique grace. We know how to pray. And we're going to take it to the, to the next level here pretty soon this year. We're known for, for faith and generosity. Our church, I'm bragging on you all, you have great faith. If you've been to other churches, and this is not a knock on anybody, okay, because I've, I've served, my wife and I, we've been ordained for almost 26 years now. We've been a part of other churches. Remember the buckets back in the day? We don't do the buckets unless we go to KFC. <laughs> so there's not a high pressure here. It's not like the, the ushers go and count the offering. Say, guys, don't leave. We've got to take another offering. We didn't make the budget this week. If you've been around us long enough, there is faith and generosity here. This is a no-pressure uh, community. My, my encouragement is always, listen, you pray and you ask God, what should I give? And then we trust that you hear God and then you give accordingly. That's what we do. So we celebrate it. And because of your faith and your generosity, we're able to actually partner with dozens of different churches all throughout the U.S. and beyond. Thousands of lives are being reached, not just in San Francisco, but because of your faithfulness, because of your willingness to obey. I couldn't even show you the video, but we actually sold finances, large amounts into Afghanistan when everything was going down. And they actually had groups in Afghanistan with City Life logos. I'm like, bruh, I'm going to be showing them logos like that. The Taliban knows about us now. But that's generosity and faith, not high pressure. There's no manipulation here. We steward finance as well. We spend wisely, we save aggressively, and we give generously. That's our culture around here. We're known for that. We're known in many different communities for being a very generous church. And we don't brag about you every Sunday, but that's what's happening. I'm just telling you, I'm bragging on you right now. It's awesome to be a part of a community like that, right? We're known as a church of compassion. Pastor Keys and Oscar and the whole crew that helps with God Squad. It's like we're known in the streets. We're known in our communities because we do care. And it's not just a once a year event. Serve day, let's all kind of like serve now, like all throughout. Josh and different ones of you guys, the different teams that serve every week. Yeah. We're known for having a heart of compassion for those in the house and those outside the house. You know, a while back I was accused like, man, you guys care so much for the, the lost and the unsaved. What about the people in the church? We care for both. You're in the house, but it helps when you're in the house or watching online. People don't care about me like, bro, you got to represent. Again, online or in person. We love everybody in-house and outside as well. And I could preach on that for a minute. We're known for acceptance and friendliness and belonging. It's not just our greeters that are friendly here. Uh, uh, friendly greeters are important, but our community is friendly. You could actually have people on Dream Team smiling, welcome to church, and then you go and you sit down next to somebody and they've never said hello to you. That's not good. Some of you are feeling convicted by that. Oh, snap, I don't think I said hi to you. <laughs> Our culture, be friendly all the time, whether you're on duty that Sunday or not. We're a friendly community. We invite people into our lives. We like doing things together. That's why we break bread and... When the, when the summer months come and the, and the weather is better, we like to have food outside and we just kick it. That's, how we, that's, how we, that's, that's what we're known for. We care deeply about one another. Acceptance, friendliness, belonging. We have a heart for young people. Even before we had a bunch of youth, we hired a youth pastor. Why? Because I know both our family and Keys and Catherine's family, we got four kids each. We needed a youth pastor, right? <laughs> pastor David and Aaron. They raised up a great team. I got to listen in. Pastor David and Aaron were, were uh, on, on a vacation trip, and I got to just sit in and listen to our leaders just lead out the youth. And I was so dang proud of them all, loving our young people, challenging them, telling them to be quiet when they were talking and, and overriding, but loving them, feeding them some great food. And, and it's like, man, these guys and gals, they get it. Youth, we have a vibrant youth ministry here. All these other pastors hit me up and go, bro, can I send our youth leaders to learn from yours? I go, by all means, come, come hang out. We got churches who don't have youth groups. They send some of their kids to our youth ministry. Why? Because we believe in youth. Youth are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of right now. They're the church of right now. 
So Zaya, you know, talking to Amaya and like talking about the things of God. I love it when they post and they talk about like the things from scripture that they learn at Connect Night or whatever. Uh, Juju, like coming back from different youth events. Youth are not just the church of tomorrow. They're the church of right now. And we're known in our city as a, a church that prioritizes youth and children's ministry. In a city that has more dogs than kids. Come on, somebody. We've got, we've got a thriving children's ministry. Our entire crew. Phenomenal. Love them all. So we're known for that. I'm just giving, I'm showing you the anointings and the graces that are upon this house. We recognize that it's a God-given gift. It's a gift. It's an anointing for us for that. Training and equipping leaders. Part of why Isaac was hired on staff as our executive pastor is not only is he going to be a PhD here very soon, but he is a brilliant teacher, a developer of leaders. We wanted to have another helper that will help us. We want to develop leaders on every level right here. It's part of why we hired him a year and a half, almost two years ago. A brilliant gift. We have a passion to see leaders raised. There is a grace upon us. The reason I preach long, one, because I ramble, but I'm also an equipper, and I want to just give you as much as I got. I want to keep giving you more and more. That's just kind of how I'm wired. So we love uh, raising leaders, training and equipping leaders, strengthening and supporting pastors and churches. You may not know this, but there's a lot of churches that are very isolated, and they don't interact but from day one, Keys and I were talking, and, and Pastor Leda, we said, man, we want to be different. We don't want to be those churches that are kind of like secluded and isolated. We want to network. And, and we began to connect with other churches locally, and then God began to grow our influence. And we are highly loved and, and valued and appreciated in our city. Why? Because we care deeply. Our church, listen, I, I brag on you on this. There are churches that were going bankrupt. They were losing their staff, their pastors. Our church financially paid their staff. We're not in competition. We love our city. So therefore, if there was another church down the street struggling, we will pay their, their HR costs. We're going to help them stay afloat. We will send resources. I remember sending a Beto, our admin, to go train other admins and, and other leaders and sending worship team members and different ones to help other churches stay afloat. Why? Because we're part of the same team. We're part of the family of, of God, the church that Jesus loves and died for. So therefore, God's giving us, he's given us favor. There is an anointing upon our lives to strengthen other churches. Our young church, we have 14 other churches that look up to us as their spiritual covering, meaning I am their pastor. I am their pastor's pastor. And they come, and we have a team coming from Idaho next month. They're going to spend several days working with our team here, learning from us. Why? Because there's a grace upon us to help other churches. Last year, my, my great friend Jason, who we had partnered with from day one, before Sozo was birthed, we had already partnered and dreamt together and strategized together. And, and we had Jason come and preach at our church a couple times and minister. And Sozo, man, they fulfilled their assignment. As Pastor Jason said, obedience was on him. The outcome was on God. And the, end of, the, the story didn't end last year with Sozo. It continues. That's why Marco today was leading us in communion. Why? Because we partnered together. Partners. We're part of the same team. Marco, as you, as you were sharing, bro, I felt the anointing of God on your life. You've been the best kept secret for a while, but God is calling both of you out, and I see the grace of God on the two of you. Roll up your sleeves because there's a great harvest coming. God is going to use the two of you and your family. Your kids are brilliant, and I'm so thankful to God for your hearts. And again, it's, it's a togetherness thing. That's why I love it. So our church is known as a church that has compassion. We've actually helped many churches in our, our even in our previous building. It, it was such a janky old warehouse, y'all. It's like someone say, like, how big is your church? And like, we, we broke about 1,000, like, within the first month. When we stopped counting all the mice and rats, we broke about 100. <laughs> but people didn't have buildings to use. So at one point, we had seven different churches using our building all throughout the week. Because buildings are difficult to find in, in the city. God has honored that. Yeah. Some of those pastors are some of my best friends now. And then our influence, uh, I don't know if you've known this, but we're part of a, a group called Ministers Fellowship International, MFI. And it's a group that is celebrating 35 years this year. They have over 10,000 churches globally. 10,000 churches. That's a lot of churches, right? Yeah. And uh, the last several years, uh, the Lord has just kind of like, open doors and they've been pulling on me to come and serve on, on the lead team and it was a couple years ago that they actually they nominated me appointed me to be the vice chairman I'm like what's a chairman <laughs> fold up some more chairs like what is a chairman it's like the vice president of this organization that reaches 
thousands upon thousands of people. And then our church, financially, we're the church that sows the most. And they don't even know about it. But we sow a lot of money into helping all these other churches, tiny churches. When I travel, I don't have to go to large churches. I go where God sends me. My wife and I will go to churches sometimes that are very small. I, I pay to go serve them. <laughs> you with me? But that's our heart. Why? Because there's a generous church here that covers for all of our wages. God knows how to take care of us, by the way. Car market, y'all, like the car market is crazy. My wife's car this last week, I was able to return her lease because it was expiring and got a new lease uh, car for her that cost us less, essentially, with the, the used car market going so crazy. We actually got the car essentially for free because of the economy around us. It's a nicer car. Come on, somebody. Love it. She's happy. Wife is happy. I'm happy. But that's because God takes care of us and God is faithful. And, God, and again, because of God's goodness and generosity and our generosity together, we get to see things happen. It's incredible. MFI, Pastor Chelsea last year, our team came and led the global conference. They led worship. Our worship team went to Portland and they led worship. And everyone was just in the presence of God. And they all came back like, your worship team is amazing. I said, I know. God's been good to us. And, and, and our team, we send different ones to help out. I'm saying all that to say there's a grace upon this house to strengthen and encourage other ministries, not just our own. We need each other. Seven out of ten pastors were diagnosed with depression during COVID. Seven out of ten. Pastor David was close. <laughs> But then Chick-fil-A came to Sarah Monty and he's like, all right, I'm good again. <laughs> Different ones that were ready to, to, to quit, but our church, we had the courage to say, no, we got this. We're going to stand with you. You're going to make it through. Yeah. And just praying for them, interceding and helping them and resourcing them. That is, that is us. Yeah. That is the grace and the anointing upon our house. And our influence will continue to grow. God has found us to be faithful stewards. Therefore, if he's entrusted us with little, he'll entrust us with more. Are you with me so far? Yes. This is Vision Sunday, so I'm painting the picture because I want you to see where God is leading us. And uh, amen. There's other graces I'll say for another time. What's ahead of us? Listen, this is what's ahead of us. This won't happen overnight. But God spoke to me many years ago, both Elaine and I. And then when we met with Keys and Catherine, it was confirmed with them as well before City Life was even birthed. But God says, I'm going to give you thousands of people that you will care for. Now, I'm appreciative of many hundreds that are here in person and watching online, but there are thousands that still need Jesus. Yeah. And this, is, to me, is not about numbers. It's not about our name. It's not about our fame. It's not our, our ego or our logo. It's about his name and his fame. It's all about him. We don't need to be known by anybody, but we want people reached. We want to see people's lives transformed. We want kids to experience Jesus because kids have parents, and then their parents are going to experience Jesus as well. So I, I've, I've had this sense in my spirit that God will give us 2,500 people just in the city of San Francisco, 2,500. God, God began to speak to us. He says, I'm going to give you five locations throughout San Francisco, five different campuses. It's amazing how the Lord, some are like, whoa, like, yes, because there's many people here that need Jesus. Half of the city doesn't even drive. So we're not going to ask them to come to church. We're going to bring church to them. And God is already working behind the scenes. We actually, we've actually already had a couple of churches merge in with us, a couple of them with properties. There's a couple others that, that we said, listen, maybe the best approach is not to merge like this, but maybe to approach it like that. But God's, God's going to continue to fulfill his word. He's going to continue to fulfill his plans in and through us. So get ready. Get ready because we will multiply. Pastors Bob and Kara Grimm from Walla Walla, Washington. Shout out to Walla Walla. They were preaching here, and we had never shared anything with them. And Pastor Kara says, you know what? I feel like God's going to say multiplication is your portion. God has multiplication. I see five campuses. I'm like, Elena, did you talk to Kara? She hadn't. But it's been prophesied. It's been declared. We believe it. We see it. Five different locations, which means more dream team, which means more people stepping up. Come on, somebody. And then we, I see throughout the Bay Area, we've been talking about an East Bay campus because we've got a lot of people that commute from Antioch, Concord, Pittsburgh, Walnut Creek, Pleasant Hill. You know, uh, At some point, we're going to have an East Bay campus where we're looking for the right time. We're going to continue, and I believe for five locations in the greater Bay Area, San Jose, Fremont, all the way through. I'm believing it's his time, his will. As God unfolds things, we, we will be uh, obedient and faithful to honor that. So I'm believing, this is what I'm believing in, in the future for us. 25 church plants from city life here in the U.S. and beyond. This is what the Lord said to me. He says, I'm going to multiply your voice and I'm, I'm going to multiply your expression. 
from this house, church planters are going to be sent out. And they're going to go into new fields. They're going to go into new states. And they're going to go into new countries and cultures. We will have City Life churches around the world. We're going to have City Life locations. Autonomous in the sense of they're, they're, they're autonomous. And yet they're sent from the house, the mother, if you will, the mother church. And we're going to love them. We're going to cover them. We're going to endorse them. We're going to support them. We have to have big hearts to believe. That's why this story is not, I'm sharing about the collective anointing and calling upon us, right? We did the circle maker. We drew big circles. Why? Because God doesn't listen to tiny little prayers. So the more I prayed, the more the Lord began to remind me, I've called you to multiply. I've called you to bring this expression. And God says, I'm going to make a way. So I'm saying, God, I don't know how this is going to play out. We got COVID. We got pandemics. We got all kinds of crazy stuff. And God says, just trust, listen, and obey. So as we trust, listen to him, and obey, God is going to honor his word. So with the spirit of faith and expectation, that's something that we're believing for. Praise God for Sunday gatherings, but there are many, many millions of lives that still need the good news of Jesus. So 25-plus churches planted from this house. Come on, somebody. It's been our dream to have a school of leaders within this house. Even before City Life Church was launched, we already got the domain, San Francisco Bible College. I mean, it's already there. Whether we use that name or not, whatever. Um, but we, we believe that God's called us to raise leaders, pastors, uh, evangelists, and then leaders in general. All of us are called to be leaders. So whether you're in the medical field or law or whatever the, the, the field would be, we're called to raise leaders. People from the nations are going to come here to be trained. Again, that's why we love Isaac. That's why we love Bishop Ernie Jackson. That's why we love a variety of others that God's connecting to us who have the gift to teach, to equip, and to empower. So a, a school of leaders, recovery homes. We've been dreaming about having our recovery homes where, where mamas with kids, they can come and just find a safe place to rest and to, to see their kids nourished and taken care of. Recovery homes for men and for women. Come on, somebody. A dream, a dream center. Uh, uh, what's it called, Johnny, again? A dream Dream Center, there we go, a house where people can come and just not only be reconditioned, but they can experience the love of God and be transformed. Amen. On 6th Street, I would walk up and down and look at all these uh, uh, different apartments and like hotels and what I'm saying, God, one day we're going to own that one, and one day we're going to own that one. We're going to own a bunch of these. We're going to own these places for the glory of God, and we're going to see the climate change. We're going to see the environment, the culture change. The mayor doesn't have the solution for our homelessness. A city of billions of dollars. Money can't fix what we got in this city. That's why we're here. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Tangible and practical ways. The Holy Spirit who spoke the worlds into existence, he knows the answer and the solution for our city. So politics, that won't fix it. Money, that won't fix it. But the anointing, that'll fix it. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. I love Pastor Keys. It's amazing how God set it up because he's, he's the associate pastor here, anointed man of God, works for the mayor's office, is paid better than the rest of us. It's amazing how that works. Works for the mayor's office, and God has given him access. He's respected. He's, he's revered. He's known in our city. He's got a great reputation. Native, SF native. Isn't it like God? that God would just bring a preacher, a pastor, an evangelist, number eight on the Enneagram, to work for the mayor's office. Embedded, embedded in the leadership of this city. It's just so God. It's just, it's, it's, it's a fix. It's a setup. So proud of you, bro, and your family, Catherine, amazing. God, God is fixing to reach the city. So I'm dreaming of daily outreaches. I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming, I'm seeing opportunities, not just again seasonally, but every day, city life knowing we're on the block, we're on the street, we're on, we're on school campuses, we're in different locations, caring for the people. It's called civil responsibility. We care deeply about the people that God's called us to serve. I'm, I'm dreaming of a retreat home for pastors and missionaries to come and be refreshed. Marco and, and, and uh, Nicole, you guys already have that heart as well. But I'm believing for a place where a Bill Norton can come and just rest. Where missionaries that have been serving faithfully for years, they can come and just for a couple months, just relax, allow us to just love on you. We'll take care of all of your expenses, all of your bills. You just rest, be reset so that you can be resent. I'm believing that that's going to happen. I'm believing for world-class conferences for worship and prayer, for youth, men and women, 
entrepreneurs, businessmen and women, a house that can host leaders from around the world that can be empowered, again, empowered by the anointing that comes upon God's people. I'm dreaming of that. I'm believing for local and global missions. This year, we plan on sending out a couple of missions teams. Come on, somebody. As COVID is lifting, opportunities are going to present themselves, but mission trips all the time. I'm a missionary kid. Missions is in my DNA. I can't help, and I want to go on all of them. But we're going to raise up teams to go everywhere as the Lord guides us and leads us. Pastor David and Aaron, I'm dreaming of dozens of Bible clubs, high school campuses, middle school campuses, colleges, junior colleges, universities. I'm believing that God's going to raise up a remnant within all these different campuses because the gospel is contagious and the church is unstoppable. I'm dreaming it. I see it in my mind. So as I wrap up, these are the goals for this year. This is brief, brief. I'm believing that this year we're going to see 75. This is tangible. These are goals now. These are things, and I'm going to, I'm going to update you seasonally. Say, guys, this is where we're at. I'm believing that this year 75 people will make it official where they've made a decision to, to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. 75. That's doable. In our context, that's very doable. That's just a couple of Sunday. 75 decisions for Jesus, which means then 75 water baptisms. Because if you're going to give your life to Jesus, then go all the way. Be water baptized. Go public with your faith. Which means that you are 75. are going to graduate from our Fresh Start four-week class that we're launching. Today, we launched Fresh Start. What is Fresh Start? We believe that each person needs a personal coach. If you make a decision to follow Jesus, you need a personal trainer to help you. If, you, if you're brand new to faith, maybe you've recently given your life to Jesus, but you're still needing to learn how to take the next steps, you go to the Connection Center today. Angie will be there. Sign up for our fresh start that starts today. It's four weeks. You watch from home. It's a Zoom class, short, brief, and amazing. Different pastors will be teaching on how to read the Bible, how to pray, like how do we actually really pray, the basics of faith. And then you will have a personal trainer encouraging and helping you. So how are you doing with your Bible reading? How are you doing with your prayer time? Complete the four weeks, you graduate. So our commitment is not just helping you say yes to Jesus, but now our commitment is to help you take your next steps so you can kind of build some momentum. It's your fresh start. And then we'll take you from that level to the next level so that you can become a fully equipped disciple of Jesus. That starts today. Thank you, Isaac and the team, for putting that together. And Angie, I believe in, and we have so many life groups. This year we're believing for 42 life groups, 42. So many new leaders leading out. Carl and Nancy watching online, thank you for stepping up and leading life groups. We're believing for 42. That's many new life groups that are being launched. I'm excited for that. I'm believing for 300 plus people involved in life groups. We need, we need to continue to connect more people to life groups. 300, that's a manageable goal. These are goals. Are you with me so far? Goals. If you haven't signed up for a life group, sign up. This is how we grow in our faith. 200 plus in our dream team. Next month we have a dream team event. That's our serve team. Whether you serve behind a camera like Becky is doing today or, or, or Brandon out in lights or downstairs with, with Kai and the kids ministry, whatever teams you would serve in, dream team. 200 of our church families serving in dream team. We love to see our numbers go up that way. People rolling up their sleeves. Loud amen. amen. 120 people connected in our one-to-one -one discipleship. That means that you have a personal mentor that's committed to helping you for the next 12 months. 120. We've got about 40 people already in, in, in these one-on-one -on -one mentoring connections. Everyone needs a coach. Amen, somebody? 100 faithfully attending pursuit. All we need is 100 people in the room. we got a good crowd that's coming out on Wednesday nights. Y'all need to prioritize the house of the Lord. Don't squeeze God into your schedule. Squeeze your schedule into God. Prioritize Sunday morning service and prioritize prayer nights. Prioritize it. If you can only come once a month, come once a month, but come. Come and pray together. Raise a banner together collectively. That's our expectation. That's our hope. A loud amen from the faithful prayer people. I love to see at least 100 people come to Serve Day in July. We're going to have opportunities to serve our community. Pastor Keys, you'll be hearing about that. Serve Day. 50 people. I'm believing for more than 50 people attending the two freedom retreats that we have this year. The next one is next month already. If you haven't gone through one of our freedom retreats, it's a Friday night and all day Saturday. This is where you kind of go through a detox, a spiritual detox, where God can come and do a deep work in your heart, bring some healing from your past, bring some healing from some, from some things from the yesterdays, and then empower you for the journey that is ahead. Join one of our freedom groups today. That's a live group. Join one of them. Be, be a part of our freedom retreats. And then to, uh, this year we want to send one, if not two, missions trips. we got a couple places in mind. 
later this year, and uh, we want to send a team of about seven to ten people to go and preach Jesus and love on people, lay hands on sick, and be ministers overseas. So be on the lookout for that. I believe for at least two new Bible clubs launched this year. We got Balboa that's crushing it already. Any Balboa folks in the house? Any Balboa people here? Pastor David and the crew, they're crushing it, Hob, but we're, we're believing for a few more to be launched. Uh, two, two microsites. This is where uh, Chief Tut, for instance, in Arizona, where we launch a microsite, another state where people are gathered, 10, 12, 50 people come and gather in a home. They tune in and they're part of our community, though they live in another state or city. We're believing for new microsites to be launched, and we're believing to launch a new campus this year. We're going to be stretched, which means that we're going to put we're going to put the ask. Say, look, we need some of you guys you guys to, to drive a little further than you're used to. But we we believe that there are people that need Jesus. They need a life giving ministry. They need us to step up. There's a call, so we'll be sharing ideas and, and how and when. But this fall, Lord willing, we'll be launching a new campus, and love for you to be a part of that. Hey, I've preached a long message. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to, I'm going to blame this on Marco because he did communion. Those of you watching online, I want you to know you're part of this. You're part of what God is doing. Jesus says, I will build my house. And you're part of the house of God. So though physically we can't be together in person and hanging out and maybe sipping some coffee together, you're part of what God is doing. It's a spiritual house. It's a beautiful house. And you're part of this. And we value you. We honor you. Pastor Lamia, we honor you. One of these Sundays we need to have you just come and record a sermon so we can watch you and see you. There are many people that keep hearing about our online campus pastor. They never met Lamia. She's an anointed woman of God. But we love our online community as well. All of us together here today, I know it was a little bit longer than usual, but the Niners aren't playing this afternoon. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a tough way to end the service right there. You were chosen. You are appointed. You are anointed. And you've been sent to fulfill a mission that God has prepared for you. You're not here by, ch by, by chance or accident. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And I want to pray over us today that we would embrace the word of God, that we would examine our hearts and say, God, am I, am I fulfilling what you want me to accomplish? Am I doing my part? Lord, I need your anointing. I'm going to pray for the anointing, the empowerment of the spirit of God to rest upon you. Amen. Are you ready? Would you do something with me as you're receiving a gift? Would you raise your hands? like you're receiving a gift from God. Father, today I thank you. Lord, you see each heart. You see each life. You see uh, each story. Lord, I thank you for precious people like Callie that's here today. I thank you for people like Zuha that's here. I thank you for, for Melissa. I thank you for a variety of people from different life experiences and stories. You know each and every one of us by name. And you've planted us in the house of the Lord. And you've called us to be trees of righteousness, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. God, we can't do this alone. We need you and we need one another. I pray in the name of Jesus even today for there to be a fresh download of the anointing of God upon each one. That our lives would be transformed. That our homes would be impacted. That our businesses and our schools, uh, our communities would be touched by the grace of God. Father, I think that those who you've appointed, you've also anointed. Let the anointing of the Most High God be released upon each one here today. Those watching online, let there be an anointing released. Empower your people for the journey ahead, for the chapter ahead. And God, I thank you for the great assignment that you placed before us. Uh, I thank you for the call of God upon this house. Uh, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by your spirit that we will see it come to pass. Uh, I thank you, Jesus, that you're building a glorious church. Uh, therefore, Jesus, you can count on me. You can count on us. Uh, we will do our part as you do your part. God, we pray that you'd be glorified in and through our lives. That your name, Jesus, would be waved high. That people would come to you because of our willingness to obey and to trust. Father, I speak a blessing over each one here today. Strengthen your people. Strengthen those watching online. Let the peace of God be upon each one. Let health and peace be their portion, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Stay standing. Pastor Elena is going to wrap it up briefly. God bless you guys.